principles or ideas that we should apply to our daily lives. Then you get to the New Testament and you'll find more prescriptive telling you do this or don't do that. But here in Nehemiah chapter 8, we get a passage on a descriptive nature of how we as God's people are to approach the Word of God. Now, to set you up, because I don't know how many of you had your quiet time in Nehemiah this morning, but just kind of set you up where we're at coming into the stage. In 722 B.C., and none of us were alive then, but in 722 B.C., the Assyrians came in, conquered the ten northern tribes of Israel, took them off into captivity. 586 B.C. comes in the Babylonians. They conquered Judah, which would be the two southern tribes, which is where Jerusalem was at. They destroyed the temple. They took the Jews into exile. Mo was talking about this morning, about that 70-year reign, Daniel being in exile and all of that happening there. Then you get to 2 Chronicles 36 and Ezra chapter 1 and Cyrus the king at the time then allows the Jews to return back to the promised land and to begin rebuilding the temple. Then around 516 BC right around in there the temple is rebuilt but the problem is is that the walls lay in ruins. So even though they had come back and they had rebuilt the temple they had no protection and so they were uh, at the mercy of the, the different uh, opposition that was around them. So Nehemiah comes in and Ezra is one of the priests set in there, but they come in and they decide that they are going to encourage and help the people rebuild the wall. So Nehemiah chapter 1 through Nehemiah 7 is really about how Nehemiah comes in and he, and he leads the charge to rebuild the walls around the city because he knew that that was integral for them protecting their identity and for them uh, to advance what God had called them to do was they needed to have these walls built. So Nehemiah 1 through 7 has to do with rebuilding the physical wall and then Nehemiah 8 to the rest of the book in Nehemiah 13 talks about spiritual reformations and things that he put in place to not just protect them and guard them physically but to protect them and guard them spiritually. So when you come in here in Nehemiah chapter 8, you are coming in to, they've just finished building the walls, they just had a, a great time of celebration, it's like they just finished that, and you can imagine everybody going, hey, yeah, you know, we just finished that, oh, that's so great, that's so, great. That's so awesome, and now we get a time to have a break. And then Nehemiah comes in and he calls everybody together. And he opens up here in Nehemiah chapter 8 and talks about the Word of God. Now, you have there in your notes, I've just put out four different practices that I think are pivotal if we're going to prioritize the Word of God. Four different practices that we're going to pull straight out of the text this morning. So if you were here and you may say, well, you know what, Spence, I, I know I have a Bible. I, I know what the Bible does, but you know, I really can't tell you much about it. I really can't tell you the last time I opened it. I really can't tell you if I've ever really studied it that much. And, and, and you're telling me that I'm supposed to prioritize the Word of God, but I just don't know why I should be doing that this morning. Well, hopefully by the time we're done today... I will have shown you why the Word of God is just as important as your cell phone or your TV remote or your recliner or your checkbook or your check card or your social media presence or your hobby or your relationships. The Word of God is just as important as breath of life itself. So look at these four practices. I'm going to start here in chapter 8 and verse 1. If you'll read along in your copy as I read along here out of mine. It says in verse 1, And all the people gathered as one man into the square before the water gate. And they told Ezra the scribe to bring the book of the law of Moses that the Lord had commanded Israel. So Ezra 
the priest brought the law before the assembly, both men and women, and all who could under who all who could understand what they heard on the first day of the seventh month, and he read from it facing the square before the water gate from early morning until midday, in the presence of the men and the women and those who could understand, and the ears of all the people were attentive to the book of the law. The first practice, the first principle that I would give you that is a must if we are going to prioritize the word of God is we must be devoted to it. We must be devoted to the word of God. The Bible tells us who was gathered together. It wasn't just Ezra and the priests and the other high officials in the, the congregation. It was everybody. Everybody gathered together. All the people, the men, the women, the children, all those, it says there in verse 3, all those who could understand were gathered together in one place. Now sometimes you and I may come and say, well it's only the people that can understand what's being said. Well if you look right here in the context, everybody that could even understand understand the language. It didn't matter the age. If you could just understand the words that were being said, they were gathered together. So families were there. Children were there. Parents were there. Grandparents were there. Everybody was gathered together to hear Ezra read the word of God. And notice what they were listening to. It says, so Ezra the priest brought the law. That's in verse 2. He brought the law. Now some people have argued and, and speculated on what was he referring to. Most of your commentators will say he's referring to the Pentateuch, the first five books of the Bible. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. That's where most of us, when we start a Bible reading plan, we get to around Leviticus and we get there and we just get bogged down. We get bored. We're like, we don't know what's going on here. I'm out. I'll go do something else. And then you get behind or you get bored or you get lost. And the next thing you know, it's July and you're like, oh, it's too late to catch back up now. So I'm just going to wait around until next January. If you can't say amen, you got to say ouch. I mean, it's one of those things that if it hits you, you hit you. But it's one, of those, it's one of those things. Can you just imagine you all gathering here this morning and me getting up and me saying Genesis 1-1 in the beginning. And then that's going on. And the next thing you know, it's about 2 o'clock in the afternoon. And I'm just getting to good Leviticus chapter 2. Hey, can you imagine you're all in the end of your seats going, what's he going to say next? Oh, we're so excited for what's he going to say. No, you all would be asleep or had already left, one of the two. I mean, you all would be going, what in the world? So it wasn't like they got together and there was some dynamic speaker. It wasn't like they were getting together and somebody was telling jokes or somebody was tickling their ears or something that was hitting them right between the eyes. We're not talking about the good, interesting stuff like stoning, uh, stoning Paul and, and dragging him out of the city and all of a sudden he gets up and everybody thought he was dead and he gets up, brushes his stuff off and walks back into town. And we're not talking about the good stuff. We're talking about putting the blood on the ear and the toe and the thumb, the epitaph and all the ways they're purified and everything you're supposed to do to the sheep when you sacrifice. And we're talking about the sleepy stuff. And that's what Ezra was doing. And so what, was, what were they there for? They weren't there to just listen to Ezra. They were focused on what God was saying to them. So they were sitting there because they knew that even though it was the law, it was God's word to them. So many times, so many times, if you're like me, you get into God's word and you start thinking, oh, I just got to check this box off. I just got to read this passage. And we miss, this is God's word to us. Amen. Once upon a time, some of you aren't going to remember this, but once upon a time before you had text messaging and before you had email, you would write. You would write letters. You would write cards. I mean, you would write to somebody, you know. Letters, you'd actually spell it out with a pencil or a pen. I mean, you would, so, so if I wanted to say something to Jaylene, I mean, you would actually write it out and you would even punctuate it. I mean, it wasn't all this... Uh, abbreviations that they have today this would be a nice way of putting it but we didn't have all that stuff and so you'd sit there and write it and, and some of you men would can, can relate you know you, you would get a letter from your sweetheart 
And you would get that letter and you just wouldn't throw it discarded over there. You wouldn't just, oh, what's it going to say now? You would like open it up and say, what has she got to say to me? And then you would read it and you were excited about what she was going to say. Or some of you women, you'd get that with the, with the guys and then you would show it to your girlfriends. Oh, he's, a, he's such a dork, look what he said. And so you would have this, but you'd have this going back and forth because you wanted to see what that person was saying to you. It's the same thing with God's word. God's word is here speaking to us. And so all of these people had gathered together. They just spent over a month rebuilding the temple wall. They had just spent all of this time spending all of this effort and all of this energy rebuilding the walls. Can you imagine? They probably had livestock to attend to. They probably had housework to do. They probably had meals to repair. They probably were hoping they could get some time off and maybe just have a little me time, a little late time. And yet Nehemiah comes in and says, all right, in the morning Ezra's going to be here with the book of the law. And you all are going to be there. And so everybody's like, we're there. We're in. And they all gather together and they notice what it says in verse 3. And this is the part that I really get excited about. It says from early morning until midday. Now if you go back and you look at the time frame, they're talking about 6 a.m. to 12 p.m. They're talking about six hours. Can you imagine being at church for six hours? You know how long the Super Bowl last? You know how long Bedlam last? Yeah, how long the Daytona 500 last? You know how long the county livestock show last? The issue isn't the time. The issue is our desire for the time. And the people were gathered there and they were focused on the Word of God. They weren't focused on the time. And you and I may look at it and say, six hours? Really? They went to church for six hours? Yes. And they didn't sing for six hours. They didn't have snacks. They didn't have refreshments. They stood. They stood there and listened to Ezra read the exciting stuff out of the Word of God and just stood there and listened for six straight hours. You want to talk about some devotion to the Word of God. And we try to come in and say, oh, look, preacher, I brought my Bible, huh? I'm doing good. Yes, 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 you are doing good. But are you devoted to God's Word? You see, God's Word was important enough for them to to set aside as much time as necessary in order for them to listen to God. And yet we are living in a day and age when we are always in a hurry. Everyone is on a schedule. And in our busyness, oftentimes the Word of God is the first thing to be neglected. If you were to be honest... If you were to be honest, I would suspect the majority of you have plans for this afternoon. And they aren't plans that God said, you're going to do this. These are plans that you said, I'm going to do this. And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with your plans, but what if God decided to do something different? What if God said, I'm going to break out, and we're going to do something special in the church this morning? Are you going to be sitting here going, well, Spence, it's going to have to hurry up. (laughs) Spence, i got a timeline. I'm not... Church, we've got to ask ourselves, are we devoted to the Word of God? Are we devoted not just to the stuff that we like, the stuff that tickles your ears, but are we devoted to the Word of God? So Ezra gets before the people. He gets there, he's in front of the people, morning until midday, and it says there in verse 3, and all the ears, or the ears of all the people, were attentive to the book of the law. They weren't texting, they weren't sleeping, they weren't playing, they weren't distracted. They were all attentive to the Word of the law. And then you get down to the second principle that we see, starting in there in verse 4. Not only were they devoted to it, but they honored it. They had honor for it. Notice what it says there in verse 4. It says, and Ezra the scribe stood on a wooden platform that they had made for the purpose. And beside him stood a group of men on his left 
You can pronounce it if you want to. I'm not going to try. There's a group of men that are on his left, and he has a group of men on his right. Then we get down to verse 5. And Ezra opened the book in the sight of all the people, for he was above all the people. And as he opened it, all the people stood. So Ezra, you can just imagine this scene. They are there in this open courtyard. They didn't have amplification. They didn't have air conditioning. They didn't have heating. They didn't have nice, comfortable, padded chairs. You know, there's a reason why they had wooden chairs through a lot of history and church history. Just plain, standard wooden pews. It's kept you awake. This cushion stuff makes you sleepy. I, I know. But you, you, they're sitting there, and he's got this wooden platform. Ezra gets up on the wooden platform. He's surrounded by men over here, and he's got men over here. There was a certain prominence that was given to the reading of the Word of God. He was lifted up for the vi- visibility and for the acoustics, and they were also emphasizing the, the solemnity and what was going on, the priority for what was being on. And then what does it say there in verse 5? And as he opened it, all the people stood. Now, they didn't stand when Ezra came up on the platform. They didn't stand when the men came and flanked Ezra. They stood when he opened God's word because the reading was given prominence and the author was given honor. So when you come into this place, you're not coming here for Greg. You're not coming here for me. And you're not coming here for your neighbor. You're not coming here to be seen. You're coming here for God. And we are coming here to honor God. And when you come here, you're not coming to be seen or to see someone else. You're coming here to give honor to God. That should change how we come in. That should change our attitude. That should change our behavior. That should change what we do. So many times we come in and I'm looking to be offended. I'm looking for someone to say something so I can get all uh, upset because they said this. Or I'm coming to church looking for an excuse not to come back to church. So we're coming for the wrong reasons. And they honored God. They, they honored God's word. They, they, they were giving uh, honor to the word of God. So it says right there in verse 5, as he opened it, all of the people stood. Why did they stand? Because the word of God was valued. It wasn't just because what Ezra was going to say. It wasn't because of the other men on the platform. They knew that when Ezra started to read, he was not reading the word of Ezra. He was reading the word of God. Can you imagine? Whether you're sitting in a Sunday school class, whether you're sitting in a Bible study, whether you're listening to devotional over your ear, or whether you're sitting there in the quiet time of your daily habit and you're reading God's Word, God is speaking to you. God is talking to you. People say, well, I, don't, I'm not, I want to hear God's voice. Then read God's Word. Read God's Word. And yet so many times this is the first thing that we close and throw aside when tragedy or circumstance or difficulty hits or busyness hits. We dispose of God's Word and we wonder why in the world are we directionless? Why are we rudderless? Why are we aimlessly wandering about in life? Because we're not paying attention to God's Word. So the question comes, well, should we still stand? You'll see other churches and other uh, faith families that every time the preacher gets up there, he'll have everybody stand for the original reading of the Word of God, and then everybody sits down. And you may say, well, preacher, are we supposed to do that or are we not supposed to do that? Well, it's never been my practice to do that because here in this principle or in this picture, they stood up and they stayed standing up for the entire six hours while he was reading the book of the law. And so I think, well, if you're going to stand up for the original reading, then shouldn't you stand up every time God's Word is read? So then it'd be like a stand up, sit down, stand up sit down stand up sit down and really it's a matter of it's not a matter of your external things it's really a matter of your heart I mean because you can stand up and sit down stand up and sit down stand up sit down and still be rotten in the heart still have a cranky attitude about doing it I'm more concerned about your heart God's more concerned about your heart and so the question is is do you honor the word of God see honor used to matter in our society used to be a day when men would hold the door open for women 
that men would stand when older men would walk into the room. That adults were given preference over children. That people were respectful and courteous towards other people. In fact, there used to even be a time when honor was more evident in the church than it was today. There used to be a time when people held this brother or sister in Christ in regard and this idea of honoring one another. And if we're going to honor the Word of God, that means we're going to have to honor other people around us. And there should be some things that are true about the church that aren't necessarily true about the world. And should there be some things that the world knows that are true about the church. And yet we live in a time when we hear too many stories about the people in the church acting like the people at the ball field. It is not honoring to God's word to be critical or hateful or unloving to your brothers or sisters in Christ. I know emotions well up. I know that tempers flare up. I know that things get happening. But you can't tell me you're honoring God's word if you're not loving the way that God loves them. So this principle, this, this picture we have here in Ezra, or I'm sorry, Nehemiah chapter 8, they were devoted to God's word. They, they honored God's word. So Ezra starts reading from the book of the law. The people stand up. They're listening to what Ezra has to say, but then it gets even better. It gets to this third principle. This third principle of how we prioritize the word of God. Notice what it says in verse 6. Are you you tracking with me? It says there in verse 6, And Ezra blessed the Lord, the great God, and all the people answered, Amen! Amen! Lifting up their hands, and they bowed their heads and worshipped the Lord with their faces to the ground. It's this idea that as Ezra is reading the word of God and as he says praise be to God, thank you God, as he is showing their appreciation and their gratitude to God for what God has done, the people are responding to the word of God. How do we ever get this idea that we can read God's word and not respond to God's word? God's word is meant to be a back and forth. He speaks to us. We respond back to him. And you may say, well, I'm not really that big on responding. You respond. Every single Sunday, we do an invitation. You may call it an invitation. I call it a time of response. And the reason why I call it a time of response is because everybody in this room responds during that time. No, I don't spend. I don't respond. I just stay where I'm at. That's a response. I mean, you parents, you know well enough. You tell that kid to do something. That kid just sits there and keeps his mouth shut. That's a response. (laughs) I said, pick your room up. And he just sits there. That's a response. Sometimes it's a response that needs to be dealt with. Sometimes that's a response that needs to be be handled. But there is a response. Even silence is a response. And so when we get to the end of the service and we have a time of response, every single one in this room are going to respond. Either we're going to respond in obedience and faithfulness to God or we're going to respond in stubborn attitude saying, not today, he didn't get me today. There's a response to the people. There was a response to the word of God. And how did they respond? And I'm going to speed up here, but how did they respond? They responded with worship. Notice it says right there in verse 7, or sorry, in verse 6, Amen, Amen. Lifting up their hands, they bowed their heads and worshiped the Lord with their faces to the ground. They responded with worship. They weren't impatient. They weren't distracted. They worshiped God. And when did they worship God? They worshiped God after God's word when they had something to worship. And why did they worship God? What else are they supposed to do? God had just spoke to them. How could they not worship God? How can they not be excited? Because God was speaking to them. So how can we come to God's word and not respond and worship to God? Maybe because we never listened to God's word or read God's word to begin with. 
They responded to it. They responded with worship. They responded with obedience. They're, they're sitting there and saying, okay, Ezra, this is the, this, this is the law. We're going to do whatever God has told us to do. They humbled themselves before God. They submitted themselves to God. Their attitudes, their hearts came out of, uh, was their, their, the attitude of their hearts came out in their actions. They said, God, we are listening to you, and God, we're going to do whatever you tell us to do. We don't care what the Supreme Court says. We don't care what the U.S. government says. We don't care what popular opinion says. We don't care what Facebook says. We don't care what Instagram says. We don't care what all the other social media platforms say. We don't care what X church down the road is doing. We are going to say, what does God's word say? And it's going to come a day that it's, this is going to be all we got. I was speaking to the older ladies this morning during Sunday school and just having a sweet time of fellowship with them. And I was telling you, you know, we're, we're living in a day that my children, oldest is four, the youngest one is two, they're going to never remember a time when it wasn't like this. There's enough of us in this room that we can remember a time when it wasn't like this. We can remember a time when morality and character and integrity and honesty was taught in schools and it was taught in children's homes. But now that's no longer there. Now it can be very possible that the only place a child is ever going to hear anything about integrity, character, honesty, morality, any place is in the Word, or in the, in the word of God and from the people of God. So when they come here, they need to hear nothing but the Bible. So they responded to it. They responded in obedience. They responded in faith. They're sitting there and they're worshiping God. They're bowing their heads down to God. They're saying, amen, amen. We're going to do whatever God tells us to do. God hadn't given them everything they wanted. God hadn't acted in their timeline. Yet they realized that when God speaks, everybody is going to respond. Some are going to respond in obedience and faith and some are not. Hebrews 11.6 says, Without faith it is impossible to please Him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that He exists and that He rewards those who seek Him. In other words, you're not being faithful and obedient to God and simultaneously ignoring God's Word. You can't do both. You can't be in two places at the same time. You can't serve two gods at the same time. So he, these people are sitting there. Goes on in verse 7 there in Nehemiah chapter 8 and it has all these people that are around uh, Ezra there that are up on the platform. And it says there, and they are helping the people to understand the law while the people remained in their places. So as Ezra is reading the law of the Lord and the people are sitting there, it wasn't just a matter that they understood every single word. It wasn't a matter that they understood everything, that all the implications and meanings and all the, the applications, the interpretations. They didn't understand all the different nuances. But they were understanding what they were hearing and then there were men that were out in the crowd that were helping explain and teach and say, this is the interpretation. This is the meaning. This is the application. That video that Mo is watching with the adults uh, once a month. Uh, Vanderlaan. Ray Vanderlaan, I believe it is. Uh, phenomenal man. He is sitting there and he is teaching them there on scene. Uh, he's actually an ordained minister, if you, if you didn't know that. But he's a teacher and an ordained minister. But he is sitting there and teaching me and he's using... Not because he has some supernatural knowledge or because he has something that you don't have. It's because he took the time to learn. He took the time to understand. He took the time to be able to explain to other people how to understand the word of God. Which brings us to the very last principle that I want you to see with this morning. Not only were they devoted to it, not only were they honoring it, they were responding to it, but then finally they studied it. They studied it. To prioritize the word of God in your life and in the life of this church, we're going to have to study it. Notice what goes on in verse 8. It says, They read from the book of the law of God clearly 
And they gave the sense so the people understood the reading. So this is the scene. This is what was taking place. Ezra is up on the platform. He is reading the word of God. These people, they're hearing, they're understanding what he's saying. They're understanding the words that are saying, but they're telling them, well, what does that mean for me? What does, that, what does that mean now? What am I supposed to do with this? And how am I supposed to respond to that? How am I supposed to react to that? And so together, as one people, they are studying the word of God. In other words, God's word, God's word was being taught. They were being taught, this is what God's word is saying, and this is what God's word is meaning for our lives today. You will hear some people talk about hermeneutics, and that's just a fancy word talking about how do we understand scripture. So when they come to hermeneutics on how we understand scripture, one of the first principles of hermeneutics is the Bible doesn't say today what it didn't say then. So you're never going to come to a text of scripture and says, well, this is what it means. It can't mean today what it didn't mean then. And then also scripture interprets scripture. But then another one that comes in is this idea that we need to understand that when we come to the word of God, God's word does not have multiple meanings only got one meaning. It may have various different applications to where you're at in your season of life, to what you're going through, to what God is dealing with in your life, your stage of maturity, things like that. The Bible only means one thing. Sometimes we get into Bible studies and we'll read the text of Scripture and we'll sit there and we'll say, okay, well, Steve, what does this Bible, what does this passage mean to you? And Evan, what does this mean to you? And Austin, what does this mean to you? And Ron, what does this mean to you? And we all go around and we all have a hundred different meanings. Well, we, which one's right? There's only one meaning to the Word of God. Different applications, one meaning. And so it was important that the people of God learned what God was saying to them. So they were studying God's Word. God's Word was being taught. It wasn't just they were being told nice Sunday school lessons. They were being instructed in the Word of God. God's Word was being taught. God's Word was being explained. It tells us right there that everybody understood everything that was happening the first time around. Sometimes it took time and time and time and time and time again. Sometimes people come to church and they say, I didn't get it, I'm not going back. How many times do you understand the first thing the first time? You know, there's a billion dollar industry called the video games. And there's not a single soul alive that turned on that first video game and said, I understand exactly how everything works. No, they sit there and they learn it. They sit there and they practice it. They sit there and they go through level after level after level after level and they die and they come back and they die and they come back and they learn this and they learn that and they do all these things. They invest the time to learn what they want to learn. And we come to the Word of God and we come to church so many times and we say, well, you, preacher, you just need to put the cookies on the very bottom shelf because I don't want to have to put out any effort. Why? Why, why, why? why should we mimic the world where we don't challenge people to grow? Why should we be in the business of pampering to the lowest common denominator? Why not say... We're going to study God's word together because we're going to grow in faith together. So God's word was being taught. God's word was being explained. And when God's word was being taught and God's word was being explained, notice what happened. God's word was being understood. It says right there at the last part of verse 8, and I'm, and I'm coming to an end, I promise. But he says, so that the people understood the reading. Understood the reading. When you think about it, education requires Two sides. You have to have somebody that is being taught and you have to have somebody that is doing the teaching. In the Christian world, we talk about that as being discipleship. Discipleship is not a class. Discipleship may be what you do at a class and maybe what you do during a class, but discipleship is not a class. Discipleship is the interaction between two believers in Christ helping one another to grow. Helping one another to mature in their faith. And the 
beauty of it is, is that you and I will never exhaust the riches in God's word. But we will never know how God or when God wants to teach us unless we're in his word. You won't understand unless you prioritize learning the word of God. And we have a lot of babes in Christ in the church today maturity wise not chronologically wise because they've never taken the effort and never made the time to get into the word of God. We have so many study tools today available to us and yet we are arguably in the most biblically illiterate time ever. Ever. What a shame. What a shame when Satan can look at the church and say, yeah, God, they're too lazy. They're too, they're too lazy to study. They're too lazy to read. They're too lazy to prioritize. They're too lazy to even care and give attention to what you've told them. So what am I asking you to do this morning? Well, if you look there in your notes, I've just given, given you three different steps of putting this into practice. How do we apply these four principles? Being devoted to God's word, honoring God's word, Studying God's word, responding to God's word. How do we put these into practice in our daily lives? Well, three questions. And like I told you last Sunday, three questions that I'm not asking you to answer right now. Three questions that when you go out and you're having lunch or when you're going out and having your quiet time, when you're going out and meeting people or when you're just driving down the road, ask yourself these questions. I want these to kind of be something that you're going to chew on in the, in the days ahead. The first question, am I in God's word daily? I'm not asking if you're listening to devotion. That has its place. Are you in God's word daily? Some of you already saw it. I put these out. They're back there on this table and that table when you come in. And it's a Bible reading plan. Now I realize that this Bible reading plan starts in January 1 and it's not January 1. I get that. <clears throat> but you know what else is on here? July the 12th. July the 13th. July the 14th is on there. Now you may say, well Spence, I already got a Bible reading plan. Great. Great. But do you know the reality is the majority of people in the church today have never read through the Bible? From Genesis to Revelation. They've read from Genesis to Leviticus a whole bunch of times. <laughs> a whole bunch of times. But they've never gotten past Leviticus. And you may say, why in the world would we start that in the middle of the year? Well, why not? <laughs> you already passed Leviticus. I mean, you already passed that stuff. So why not start in the good stuff? So these are back there. I would encourage you, if you do not have a Bible reading plan right now, get one of these. And if you say, well, we ran out, I'll make more copies. I would love to make more copies. And I would love for you to be reading the Word of God together. Now, there's other Bible reading plans out there. I know you version on that app. There's Bible reading plans on there. And you may have something. And I'm not saying that's not good and that's not profitable. But what I am telling you is, is that I want to encourage you with every bone that I have to be in some type of reading plan where you systematically read through the entire Word of God at least, at least every single year. At least. My family and I, we are on a discipleship Oh, I'm sorry, we're on the Discipleship Journal Bible reading plan that's put out by the Navigators, but they really don't put out a Bible reading plan in this nice little succinct form. So if you want to, if you want to be on the same Bible reading plan as myself and Jaylene and Eli Wyatt and Luke, you can get the Discipleship Journal reading plan. And what we'll do is we'll be reading that and the boys will come and say, Dad, did you read your Bible today? Well, of course I did. Well, now they can ask me what I read. And sometimes that's good for accountability in the life of the church. For me to say, Denise, did you read Bible yesterday? Well, yeah, I did. Well, then what'd you read? Ah. Uh, it's good for us to be able to hold each other accountable. Amen? So if you don't want to do that, at least get one of these. But at least let us be in the Word of God on a regular basis. So am I in God's Word daily? Secondly, am I in God's Word intentionally? 
I'm not talking about just checking off the box. I'm not just talking about going through the motions so just so you can say, yeah, I did it. I'm talking about the kind of stuff that Paul is referring to in Philippians 3.10 when he says, that I may know him. We are reading God's word, seeking God's word, trying to understand God's word, not so we can check a box off, not so we can tell the preacher we did it, so that we might know God. That's why we read God's word. So we're doing it with intentionality to say, God, I am here to read your word. A lot of times when I wake up in the morning, I'll be honest with you, I I don't wake up on. Some of you may understand what I'm saying. I I don't wake up like, oh. You know, some of you do that and you're annoying. But I don't do that. I'm just loving you. I'm just loving on you. Those of you that wake up and you're just like like a little schnauzer puppy. I mean, I I think, how in the world they do that? How'd they go from being off to on like that? I don't get it. Some of you do. I can't. I get up and it's like, I don't want to be awake. I've spent the last hours horizontal. I kind of like it. (laughs) I spent a lot of time doing it. I don't really care about being vertical. And I am not in the mood to just sit there and say, oh God, let me be spiritual right now. I'll be honest with you, I'm not there. So what do I do? I sit down. It may be 30 minutes before I crack open the word of God. Because I know if I sit down and I first thing I do is I open it up. Now on the 24th day of the month, the people of Israel, I'm not going to be there. So I do other things. I have a couple of devotionals that I'll read. I have a couple other things that I'll do. I'll at least get me a cup of coffee in. Because whenever I get into God's word, I want to be intentional. You may say, well, preacher, I don't have that much time to spend 30 minutes doing something else before God's word, before my day begins. Well, then you need to get up earlier. Get up earlier. It's not a matter of a want to. It's a matter of a have to. I have to do it if I'm going to maintain some level of spiritual growth in my life. It's not always perfect. It's not always what it should be. It's not always something I'm proud of. But I'm going to tell you that you're responsible for your growth as a Christian. You're responsible for it. And if you're not growing, it's not my fault or Greg's fault or your Sunday school teacher's fault. It's your fault. So am I in God's word intentionally? And finally, and we're going to be done. Am I in God's word faithfully? Am I in God's word daily? Am I in God's word intentionally? Am I in God's word faithfully? I'm not talking about just on a Sunday morning. Hey, I came to church, I listened to what the preacher had to say, I tolerated him for a good 30 minutes, and then we're done. I'm not talking about getting God's word when tragedy strikes, or when you lose a job, or when somebody gets sick, or you have a bad doctor's appointment, or something else happens, and you're saying, well, I just need God to tell me what to do. I'm not talking about being in God's word when tragedy strikes. I'm not talking about being in God's word because you don't know what to do, and you're having a question, and so you do what so many other people do, and they go, well, I just need to have an answer. And you're hoping that God will give you the answer you're looking for. I'm talking about, are you in God's word faithfully by putting your plate, putting yourself in a posture to learn from God? Just this last May, I graduated with the academic degree that I've been pursuing for about five years. I've got a lot of time invested in the classroom, not just in high school, but then in undergraduate work and now in graduate work. I spend a lot of time, and you spend these time in these classrooms, and these classrooms are the same, whether it's in eighth grade or whether it's in the graduate level. You have these students, and some students come in, they get to the back room, they open up their computer, and they just hide behind their computer, and you know what they're there to do. They're playing on the internet. They're playing on their computer. They're not paying attention to a single thing the professor is saying. They're not, they're not there to learn. They're just there to be present because they know that part of their grade is counted towards attendance. 
And then you get some people that come in and they want to sit on the front row and they've got their attentive eyes. They may have the computer out because they weren't on today's notes, but they are listening to what you have to say. They're responding to what you have to say. You can tell that they're listening to what you have to say. And those people make it a joy because you know that they are here to learn. And the same is true when it comes to the church. You have some people that just show up just to be present. Quite frankly, why do you want to get up and come to church if you're going to be that cranky when you come to church? Some people get up and they know they ought to be here, but they feel guilty if they were. And some people come because they understand that God has done what God has done for them in the last six days. They get just a few hours today to come and say thank you. So they come. And they don't come saying, God, I am here. Give me, give me, give me. They come and say, God, here I am. Speak to me. But it happens when we get in God's word couple of things I want to ask you to do. I know I said I was getting done. I promise I am. There at the bottom of those notes, there's three different blanks. I didn't mention this last Sunday. This is going to be in there and Lord willing, it's going to be in there for the time to come because it's vital to me when it comes to the life of the church that we're thinking as a church like this. And hopefully, I think there's, I think if I remember correctly, the blanks were still there. They, they didn't, yeah, they didn't give you these. Uh, they didn't give you these on the cheat sheet, okay? So, three blanks for three names. And here's what I'm asking you to do. I'm not asking you to just put, fill it in right now, but just maybe pray about it. Maybe pray who God may be putting in your heart. But three blanks. One says, I am praying for X to be saved. Who are you praying for to be saved? Well, this isn't just a preacher thing. This isn't just a deacon thing. This is a you thing. If you're a Christian, you should be praying for other people to get saved. Or maybe you're here this morning and you're saying, well, Spence, I'm not saved. Then put your own name in the blank. And then let's take care of that in a few moments when the invitation is given. But who are you praying for to be saved? And then the second one, I am praying for so-and-so to repent. You see, we have people today that I think are actually genuinely saved, but they're in a state of being back, black, blah, blah, backslidden. They're the, the prodigal son, if you will, and they are far away from church. And we need to be praying that they would repent, that God would get a hold of them, that they don't have to get to the point of starvation in the pig pen at the lowest of lows, that they would repent before they ever get to that point. But we have somebody that we can be praying for to repent. And then finally... Somebody that you're inviting to church. I know Jason had that who's your one, I think was the name of it. There's some cards that are still back there. Just who is it that you're inviting to church? Well, I put a Facebook post on about a Spence. No, 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 no. I'm talking about who are you inviting to church? Who is it that you said, hey, in the morning, I'm going to be at First Baptist Wellston. Would you come and join me? Who is it? You know, if you... If already invited four or five people to come to church, it's kind of hard for you to get up that morning and decide you're not coming to church. And then you know if you're a Christian and you say, I'm a, I know I'm a Christian, then you ought to be telling other people that you're a Christian. And you may say, well, Spence, I've already invited everybody that I know to go to church. Well, then how about this? Go stand up at Bev's and wait for somebody to walk in that you don't know. Introduce yourself to them, find out their name, and then inter- invite them to church. There is the opportunity for you to find someone that you don't know to invite them to church. Why? Because God's word tells us to. Because God's word tells us that in order to be a faithful, healthy, obedient Christian, we're going to have to follow him and do what he tells us to do. Would you bow your heads with me?